walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Oh, welcome to the apron. Why am I yelling? Fuck. My Howard Finkel up in this bitch. Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host. The hardest part of the ring, known in some circles as Kyle. And we are here today to talk a little bit of, uh, oh, I got actually, I, I was thinking of this joke earlier. Um, I, I think I'm ready to debut it, uh, today because I don't, th- nobody's ever really, um, traveled along these, uh, along these boundaries of comedy before. So um, I figure I would let you guys in on my genius. So we're talking about TNA, right? TNA turning point 2005. Um, (laughs) Then when you really think about it, it's like, man, what are we talking about? Like, like tits and ass uh, turning point 2005. (laughs) So yeah, Turning Point 2005 is uh, <laughs> quite the turning point for the company, actually. Very ap- apropos. Is that how you say that? Um, because Turning Point 2004, which, by the way, this is the first event that I've, uh, I think, that I've called two of. Because we called, we, 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 uh, we, I, well, you, you were there probably if you're listening. Uh, we covered TNA. Turning Point 2004, a little over a year ago, and that is the show where uh, where Elix Skipper walked the cage. You had that legendary cage match between uh, AMW and Triple X, and Triple X lost that match. Which, by the way, the team of Triple X was Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper, and that sent Daniels and Skipper on their own ways, which changed the company forever. Because we know how well Elix Skipper has done. Since then, <clears throat> talk a lot about that in this this episode. Don't you worry. Uh, but Christopher Daniels, it's a focal point of the X Division, a uh, a mainstay of uh, arguably the most impactful you know aspect of TNA at this point. The X Division, the X Division's red hot, um, and that's illustrated in this show with AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe, which is. Holy shit. These these matches between these guys just keep getting better somehow. Um just an incredible match. That 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 I I tweeted this out uh, a few days ago from Turning Point 05, Joe versus AJ. Uh it's free on YouTube. I suggest you guys uh go check that out because that is a legendary match. 
um, that maybe gets overshadowed by like the unbreakable three way and stuff like that. But an amazing match on this card as well. Um, I mean, we got a barbed wire massacre on this card, which is uh wow. That's a lot. Um, this is by, you know, a traditional, you know, no ropes barbed wire match between Sabu and abyss, which is fucking brutal, but it's, I'm telling you this, it's a lot better than the, uh, the cactus Jack Sandman <laughs> match that I covered a few weeks ago. Um, you obviously got your Jeff Jarrett's you got your, uh, you got your uh, who else is on there? You got Christian Cage is here, Monty Brown, all your favorites. Uh, AJ Pierzynski, of course, which, yeah, the World Series champions, the Chicago White Sox uh, are here. We got uh, AJ Pierzynski coaching the team of uh, Chris Saban, Sanjay Dutt, and uh, the, the strength and conditioning coach of the White Sox. Dale Torborg, otherwise known for my WCW fans out there as the demon. <laughs> yeah, the kiss guy from WCW is here. But um, yeah, TNA, I mean, say what you want. I mean, the, TNA, they would do whatever they could to get publicity. But the White Sox, I mean, the World Series champions are a step up from fucking Jeff Hammond from NASCAR. Remember that shit from, you know, a few months ago? How, how he beat because, you know, with the pit, the pit stop elbow, right? From Jeff Hammond. You know, he did the whole deal where he was like. It's a little something for my visual viewers. Um, <laughs> check the YouTube, why don't you? Um, but yeah, we got the White Sox over here. Just a great TNA card, honestly. Like we've talked about the Dudleys have just recently debuted. They're on this card in a tables match, of course. Uh, I brought up Christian Cage earlier. He's here in his first pay-per-view match. And we got another debut on the horizon, which uh, is alluded to at the end of this show. Um, I won't say who it is, uh, but it's really going to. uh, It's really going to sting when you hear about it. (laughs) It's sting. Uh, But yes, uh, to join me on this show. Matt Ritter from the Smackin' It Raw podcast returning to the show. Always a blast with old Matthew. Uh, check out the Smackin' It Raw podcast wherever you listen to podcasts on YouTube. And of course, Smackin' It Raw, the number one podcast on Pornhub. And that's not, that is not just a tagline. Uh, it's literally on Pornhub. So you can literally watch Matt uh, and his various guests Talk about wrestling, current day wrestling in a very hilarious way, uh, while also having your, you know, your recommended, you know, double fisting anal uh, stepmom stuck in a dryer, uh, you know, you know, uh, backdoor cucks nine uh, volume three, you know, all that on the side while you also have pretty ritty in front of you talking to you about whatever, uh, whatever is whatever the hubbub is. And wrestling. So uh, go check out the Smackin' It Raw podcast. Legitimately one of my favorite podcasts out there. I listen to it every week and you should too. Uh, You know, you should also listen to is uh, the Apron Bump podcast. I mean, you are right now, but uh, you should continue to do that. And uh, if you like these kind of episodes, these TNA reviews, I suggest to you to go to ApronBump.com and go to the episodes tab at the top. 
and you can select TNA and that'll bring you to all of my TNA episodes that I've done thus far, starting from their very first three hour pay-per-view victory road. Oh, four every show up till now. And uh, it's been a fun journey. So go check that out. And all of my episodes, all of my social medias are there. And uh, yeah, check out the description of the podcast for all my, you know, my TikToks and my uh, my wordles and all the social medias that you need. So check that out. Check out this episode. Why don't you? You're already listening. TNA Turning Point 2005 with myself and Pretty Ritty from the Smackin' It Raw podcast. It was weird. Like I was congested for two days. And then the congestion went away, and now I've just got a fucking cough for the last two days that's kicking my ass. Is it that new variant? Dude, I, as far as I know, it's not COVID, but who the fuck knows? I think you think you just created it in your own body. It's the, yeah, uh, it's the fucking Ritter variant. <laughs> it's running wild. Yeah. This one really fucks you. So anyways, we got um, <laughs> TNA, man. It's a good segue. Yeah, I've never, I've never watched a TNA pay-per-view. Like, really? I may have caught an episode here or there, probably back when they got onto Spike, but never uh-huh. really watched the shit. I'm, as I always say, like, I was vaguely aware. Like, I knew everyone on the show just about and what mm-hmm. was going on. I remember, like, hearing about it, but, like, I never actually sat down and watched it. Right. Because you, didn't you stop watching wrestling, like, in the mid-2000s? Um... Probably around 2008, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because you missed Jeff Hardy's like best period. And that's why I always get upset with you. There's not one of those, but okay. Okay. You, sir, you need to We're gonna start this on a bad note. We're going to start this on a bad note. Well, you got a shirt on. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess Jeff Hardy, well, he wasn't on this card, was he? What a shame. Thank God. What a shame. <laughs> At least we got AJ Pierzynski on it. Yeah, I got a story about that. Do you, yeah, feel free to start us off with that if you want. Basically, obviously, this is the year that the White Sox won the World Series, right? Right, of course. So being from Chicago, I went and out and watched the game. Like, I wasn't at the stadium, but, like, I was at a bar watching the game, hanging out with yeah. friends. So that night, as they won the World Series, I was driving back and ended up, in like one in the morning in pitch black on a dark ass road running into four fucking deer and destroying my car the same night. So every time I hear about the white Sox and fucking the Oh five world series, all I can think about is my destroyed car. <laughs> four deer. Is that there what you were said? Four deer in the road. Yes. Four deer just across the road. So like there was no swerving into the other lane to miss them. Like they were just lined up across the road, like a fucking blockade. <laughs> and I was coming down a hill right at a fucking deer blockade. I was fucked. So did you hit all of them? Was it a was it a strike? I only hit two, and I remember one hmm. like sliding off the passenger side, completely like sm- took out the headlights, smashed in the whole front of the passenger side of the car, and then the other one obviously hit the driver's side. The car was fucked. And that's the White Sox fault, is what you're what you're telling me. Yes, hundred percent. If it was the Cubs, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> Are you a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan? I'm actually a White both? Sox fan. I can't stand the Cubs. I grew up on the South Side, so. Oh, I see. Yes, the my old, wife the old is a Cubs fan, unfortunately. Hmm. Yes. Well, I have. I don't know if you can see it. I have a Mark McGuire little little poster over there. 
So uh, I, I used to, I don't really watch baseball that much anymore, but I used to be a big Cardinals fan. But um, so I'm sure at one point I, this would have mattered to me, but you know, it is what it is. But yeah, TNA, man. So I guess overall, you said this is your first time watching a full pay-per-view. Overall thoughts? Did it kind of meet your expectations going into it? I did. Like, I watched a lot of fucking wrestling this week. Like, what I normally watch, plus, like, six Nitros in a pay-per-view, plus this. So, like, there was a lot mm. of shit going on this week. But, uh, no, I was pleasantly surprised. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I really got into it. So, I mean, for something that happened in 2005 that I've never seen, for me to be, like, invested, and I actually went and looked to see, like, okay, did this guy eventually win a title and blah, blah, blah. Like, it yeah. was good. No, yeah, this is a good time period for TNA. This is, like, pretty much their peak. I'm not not quite at their peak yet, but it's definitely they're on the up-ramp uh, at this period. Because, um, and we'll get to it, but we had some debuts that happened recently before the show and we got some that are coming shortly after this so this is when all like the stars are coming to tna um before it gets ridiculous when like you get like the scott steiners and all that shit so the show opens up it, i mean we're starting off hot so i'm sure i was like you know hey matt let's watch some tna and you're probably expecting like aj styles uh jeff jarrett maybe an ultimate x match or claire lynch or something like that uh but no we open up with a barbed wire massacre match. No ropes Holy barbed shit. wire massacre match. Yes. That's a good point. Probably my favorite match of the night. Yeah, I, I don't hate that opinion at all. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's not like, you know, they drape some barbed wire over the ropes or there's like some sticks with barbed wire just strewed throughout the. No, it's a no ropes uh, or it's a barbed wire ropes, I guess. Uh, barbed wire match between Sabu and Abyss. Who? I mean, what a way to get the crowd hot, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess you got to start off with this match because I'm sure it's a whole process setting up the barbed wire and all that and taking it off and all that shit. But uh, yeah, Sabu, the master of this style of match, of course, with this match with uh, Terry Funk back in like, what, 97 or something. So uh, if there's anyone you're going to throw into this type of match, Sabu's your guy. And uh, I actually recently just watched... Uh, Cactus Jack versus Sandman from 95. They had a barbed wire match and it was not good. Uh, so they, they've, they've learned over the years. This match was actually really damn good. The crowd was into the whole thing. Tension throughout the entire. I mean, were there any like particular spots that stuck out to you? Oh, absolutely. So Sabu pulled a shank out and just started stabbing Abyss in the arm. Yeah, casual. Um. We had a barbed wire chair to Abyss's balls that he basically did not sell. So I, I, I'm assuming he has no balls. Um, Abyss always reminded <laughs> me of like what would happen if Mankind and Kane fucked and had a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, pretty much it. You had the ending, which was what I like to call a demented ice cream sandwich. Uh-huh. Where you've got right. the two boards of barbed wire, or maybe like a s'more. And then a, mm. Abyss was the the uh, marshmallow in between the two graham right. crackers and uh, the barbed wire. Um, I really enjoy Sabu for the fact that like, are you familiar with the Hellraiser series? The the horror movie Hellraiser? I'm not. So there's a puzzle box, but like the only people that open this puzzle box are like really fucked up people who have like basically gone beyond the fact of like normal enjoyment of pleasure and things like that. And even past BDSM. So like right. Sabu would open the fucking puzzle box. Like he a hundred percent just, there is no amount of pain that isn't pleasure to him. Like 
I guarantee if you looked at his porn history, it would be really fucked up. Like, I don't know what you find, but it's not going to be anything that you'd find on yours or mine or any normal person's. Like, he's got some yeah. demented shit going on. So putting him in this kind of match where he can, A, hurt himself, because I, I feel like that's a thing he enjoys, but also hurts somebody else, it's always going to be entertaining. He's going to jump on shit, fall off shit into shit lots of him going face first in the barbed wire he was in the barbed Oof. wire more than abyss was yeah and he's he's the one not wearing a shirt so that's <laughs> really brutal almost ripped his pants off which you know do you think because you bring up the porn kind of made me think of this do you think sabu is kind of an autoerotic asphyxiation kind of guy uh i could see it yeah i'm not gonna lie yeah He's because I I don't see Sabu going on Pornhub for whatever reason. He either has like VHSs from Japan that he jerks off to, or he just like looks into a mirror and just conjures up things. Like he he's very uh he has like a swing, you know, weights hanging from his penis. <laughs> hanging from his penis. Yeah, you never heard about that? No, I did not. Is that a thing? Uh, well, probably. Um, but. I can't say I've dabbled, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure like the gravity creates a force. There's a whole thing. It's a whole process. Is it to make it bigger or make it stronger? Like, is he getting a hard on and like lifting the weight? Like, is no, you just kind of let it hang. Muscle? I mean, I'm sure some people do that. Sabu seems like a guy that would just let it hang until he comes. Okay. So we got this barbed wire massacre match and um yeah, like you said, just, I mean, it starts off. First of all, Sabu brings in a barbed wire bat. It's like as if there's not enough barbed wire around you. Um, but then that that's just <laughs> the tip of the iceberg because there's barbed wire chairs. There's barbed wire boards Two put two barbed wire boards, like the big little things. Barbed wire. Sabu swings the bat and it gets stuck in the barbed wire. And then, uh, you know, Sabu does a senton onto Abyss. Abyss tosses him off and throws him face first into the barbed wire. And like you said, he, he brings out a shank or a knife or something, cuts himself free, which I guess is smart. I'm pretty you know? sure he pulled it out of his ass, too. Like, that was in his prison pocket, ready to go. His prison pocket. Yes, of course. Who, who could ever forget? Um, yeah, just stabs Abyss a bunch of times in the arm, like you said. Uh, we got James Mitchell out there, of course, with Abyss who uh, slides in a barbed wire chair and then they're hitting each other with it. Um, what else? What else we got here? Yeah. I mean, it's just like yeah, abyss military presses Sabu into the board. There's a lot of spots where it's like, Oh, who's going to fa fall into the barbed wire. It's kind of back and forth. So um, amongst like just the mindless brutality, there were some like storytelling elements to it, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, Cause obviously Sa and Sabu, you said, I mean, Sabu's, he has his niche and uh, his his little run in TNA was really good from what I've seen. I, I haven't he's not particularly botchy, at least in this match. He isn't um, a lot of his matches are really smooth. I mean, him and Abyss have had a bunch of matches. So, um, yeah, just good shit all around. And uh, like you said, the, the, the s'more gets the win where uh, you know, Abyss is between the two barbed wire boards. I guess the barbed wire is the chocolate. And uh, uh, Sapu just fucking sits on it and crushes him for the for the win. So uh, I enjoy the shit out of it. Um, I have a question for you. What's with the so here and then a few other times? Why do we go to commercial during a pay per view? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think in this case they were just stalling for time because they had to like undo the barbed wire and all that stuff. I have it. I I feel like they went during the match, but I could be wrong. It might have been after the match. 
But there were a couple times during the show where like it just cut out and came back as if it would have gone to commercial. And I'm like, if this is a pay-per-view, why the fuck are we going to commercial? I think that's an impact plus thing. So if you have like a certain tier, there's commercials. Okay. So that's so if you if you have no ads, then it just cuts out and then comes back. Yeah. That that confused me too when I first saw it, but I think that's what the situation is. But yeah, after that match, like I said, Tanae and West, the commentators, they're they're kind of running down the card for the pay-per-view. There's a few vignettes shown, which brings us to something a little different. We got a tag team match, Alex Shelley and Roderick Strong versus Austin Aries and Matt Bentley. Uh, kind of just a random X Division match, honestly, here. I guess it's kind of just a cool-down match after the uh, the massacre that we just witnessed. Um, but a good little match here. You have Alex Shelley out here with his his camera and his tripod. Uh, are you familiar with the paparazzi at all? Uh, am I familiar with the paparazzi? Yes, I know. It's a faction. Yes. Not, not, not paparazzi in general. Just, oh, okay. you know. <laughs> no, then uh, no, I'm not. I forget who exactly is in it. I know it's Alex Shelley. I think Kevin Nash is a part of it at some point. Uh, I think Jimmy Rave might be in there somewhere. I'm not sure, but um, interesting. So it's it's, it's the beginnings of that uh, with his camera. He basically sets it up to record his match, I guess, which is hilarious. <laughs> like 2005, for some reason, it doesn't seem that long ago, but just like this big bulky ass camera watching mm-hmm. the match is funny. You're not going to do the thing. The Bentley bounce. Well, every episode <laughs> that I listen to, when Matt Bentley is brought up, you ask uh-huh. your guest if they are familiar with him and yep. why they should be familiar with him. And you didn't ask me, and I'm a little hurt. Look, I'm, I, I've just become okay with the fact that nobody knows who fucking Michael Shane is. So, and I, it hurts me every time I hear it. So I just don't want to do it anymore. You know. Okay. But let me. I, I guess you know what you, you asked for it. I'll ask you. Hey, Matthew. Are you familiar with Matt Bentley? Not at all. Do, do, you, uh, do you know who his cousin is? Bret Hart? Yeah. So we got... <laughs> no. Obviously, obviously, the cousin of Shawn Michaels, this Matt Bentley fella. Um, and uh, but yes, the, the, the Bentley bounce. I, I brought this up earlier. Are you, are, you, are you a big fan of the Bentley bounce? Uh, there's not a whole lot about Michael Shane, Matt Bentley that I'm a fan of, actually. Um, <laughs> I do I do remember seeing him um, back around this time in like clips and shit like that and being like, oh, this is Shawn Michaels' cousin. That'll be cool, this and that. But, I mean, I don't know if it was because he was teaming with Austin Aries or what it was here, but there was really nothing about the guy that I found redeeming or that I wanted to see more of outside of, uh, was it Trinity that came down with them? Yes. Yeah, Correct. outside of Trinity, there was nothing more I really wanted from him. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Multiplicity? Yes. So Matt Bentley, so if Shawn Michaels is the original Michael Keaton, I think Matt Bentley, he's at least the third one. You know, okay. he he's at least the gay one. He's probably not the, the uh, mentally challenged one. But yeah, he's he's the third one for sure. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> But he's not bad. He's just like, oh, it's like Shawn Michaels, but not as good kind of thing. Yeah. But then we have, uh, in my opinion, this the star of this match was Roger Strong. I mean, the, the backbreakers he was throwing out there. He, we're still very early in his career, but he's like showing all out. I mean, he's 
there's a point where Austin Aries has like his hands on the ropes. He's like down on the ground. Roddy just rips him up by the feet and catches him on his knee with a backbreaker, which is sick. Um, I mean, the team in general of Alex Shelley and Roger Strong, they had a lot of really fun double team moves. There was like a backbreaker, neckbreaker combo and stuff. I was surprised because like I know obviously Alex Shelley and Motor City Machine Guns, like time uh-huh. splitters, tag team guy. Like, so that didn't surprise me, but I didn't think I'd enjoy this pairing as much as I did. So, yeah, I believe they teamed a lot in Ring of Honor as well so they had that kind of chemistry what's that it's uh it, it's a sister company of the icup championship oh okay yeah 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 um but we got <laughs> so yeah roddy and alex shelley kind of dominate most of the match honestly with various double team moves uh then we get that matt bentley hot tag he's he's in there he's running wild yeah. Uh, hits the elbow drop and then the super kick for the win. I wonder where we've seen that before. Never seen that before in my life. Yeah, it's really unique stuff from from old Matt Bentley. Um, but yeah, Austin Aries and Matt Bentley get the win. So uh, thoughts? Dolph Ziggler should have learned from Matt Bentley that trying to be Shawn Michaels is not good for your gimmick and it's not going to make you, you know, yeah. it's not going to be a, it's not going to create a career for you. Like, right. If if Matt Bentley had actually come out and tried to like develop his own personality, maybe his own finisher, not just ripped off his cousin and everything he did, but not as good, he might have gone somewhere. Right. I'm just trying to think like so if there's Michael Keaton, I think Dolph Ziggler is the second one. Uh Matt Bentley is the third one. I'm trying to think who who the uh mentally challenged one is of Shawn Michaels. Nick Jackson. Nick Jackson, there it is. <laughs> we figured it out folks or one of the guns one of the gun brothers remember when they they both dressed up like Shawn michaels oh probably that sounds about right um but then speaking of things that you maybe haven't seen a lot of uh monty brown is here the alpha male he's uh he's yelling at a doll um and the, just the concept of you having no concept context to this is hilarious to me so he's yelling at a bob the builder doll backstage which is uh alluding to a promo he had on impact a few weeks before this where christian him and christian were in the ring talking christian was wearing like blue jeans and boots so monty brown's like get your bob the builder ass out of here or something like that got a big pop so that's what he's doing here and uh they have a match later and the basic premise is that Monty Brown, he's pretty much a, a TNA original, and he's not going to get leapfrogged by Christian Cage, who uh, just recently debuted. So okay. uh, then you have Jeff Jarrett walking in. He's like, Jarrett's basically spearheading the whole thing where it's like, all these people are coming. They're, they're taking our spots and what we won't stand for it. So we all have to band together to make sure all these people debut and don't take our spots. And it's funny because that's literally what happens. So and <laughs> Jeff Jarrett will do anything to make himself the focal point of any segment that isn't about him. Yeah, absolutely. He's always been that way. And watching him as much as I've watched him, because he just debuted in WCW in my watch along over there, his laugh and that shit he does annoys the fuck out of me. Like, I have no idea how this guy was world champion anywhere. He's driving me fucking insane. His laugh. How, how does his laugh go? <laughs> yeah, like whatever <laughs> weird little like half-assed bullshit he does after during every promo, it's driving me nuts. Yeah, 
Yeah, because you're you're watching uh, Chippendale, Jeff Jarrett, right? Uh, kind of, yeah. Because it's not it's not slap nuts yet. It's still uh, oh no J. no no he, yeah no he's still got like the weird fucking three stripes up the chest with the neck collar thing and right he's doing his Ric Flair imitation. No, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no influence at all. He's his uh-huh. own thing. He doesn't do the figure four and the strut and. But I mean, he's world out. champion. He's kind of running the company. Not financially, yeah. but booking it. And he inserts himself here. He shows up at a Team Canada interview. Like, he's in the main event. He just can't fucking stay out well, of the He's the star. Shit. Matt, he's, he's, he's the draw of TNA. So okay. that's what people are tuning in. That's what people buy the pay-per-views for, is to see Jeff Jarrett. That's why this company never took off. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, speaking of WCW, this next match has a lot of WCW undertones. Um, so Larry Zabisco's out here, who is the, uh, what's his title? He's like the committee member, head committee. He's like the GM, basically, okay. of TNA. And him and Raven have had have been feuding because, so Raven was uh, the NWA champion a few months ago. He got screwed out of the title at a random ass live event in Canada. And basically Raven puts this on Larry Zabisco for letting it happen. So they've been going at it. Raven's been making Larry's life a living hell for months. So Zabisco's out here. He's just like, hey, Raven, I'm offering you your release. Here's your uh, severance package, I guess it seemed like. Just leave, leave me alone and we'll be done with it. And Raven's like, ah, fuck you, Larry. Raven cuts like a really annoying promo. He's like, uh, what does he say? He's like, he calls him like a bunch of different names that are just way too thought out. (laughs) That's everything Raven does. Yeah, it's it's very, I'm I'm learning quickly that Raven is not the best promo in the world. No, he's a good talker, but he's not a good wrestling promo, basically. So what is happening here and what they did last pay-per-view too. Uh, Larry Zabisco picks an opponent for Raven. So at the last pay-per-view, he picked just incredible because the whole thing is like, he's pulling people from Raven's past to uh, fight him. And in this case, Larry Zabisco chooses Chris K. Otherwise known as Canyon, mm-hmm. which was, uh, it was fun, fun seeing Canyon out here fighting Raven. I don't know if Chris K is the name I would have gone with. It, it feels like they could have thought a little bit more and been more creative. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because his name's Canyon, right? So I don't know. Let's, I'm just spitballing here, just kind of thinking off the top of my head. Uh, maybe Chasm could have been his name. Uh, Gap. Right. Well, what, what other names do you think they could have gone with? Um... Canyon. You could have gone with Cannon instead Cannon. of Canyon. Uh, That's a good one. Gash. Uh, what? Gash. Okay. You said Gash. Gash. Like. I, I mean, I heard you. Was, okay. Giant vagina. Um, okay. We're going a different direction than I thought we were going, but that's, I'm, I'm with it. I thought we were just talking about deep things. No. Yeah. No, no. Now that you mentioned it, it makes sense. Um, Muff. 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 Muff's a good one. We can just spend two hours just thinking of names for Canyon and call it an episode. I mean, Canyon is fucking fantastic. Um, yes. I did not expect to see him here. A little disappointed that, uh, you know, they, they went with the Chris K thing. Also, 
why the fuck does Raven always have like some weird obsessed fan following him around everywhere he goes and every company that he's in, everything he does. Mm-hmm. There's just that like it was Stevie Richards and yeah. you know they did the same thing in WCW. Now he's here and I don't know who the fuck that guy was, but there was some weird fan like hanging out following him around ringside after the match. Okay, first of all, it's not a fan. He's he's a wrestler. Um Oh like my god! What's his what's his fucking name? Yeah, it doesn't uh-huh. matter. But uh-huh. he's exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, cocksucker! What's his name? But it doesn't matter. He's he's a jobber. But uh-huh. he's yeah. like like you said, he's the, uh, he, he basically Raven eventually creates a new stable, not the flock. It's not at all like the flock. It's a completely different thing. What's it called? The flock. No, it's um, <laughs> <laughs> it's called Serenity, I think, or something like that. It's more like um, they wear like white jump shoot jumpsuits. It's like an insane asylum type of theme to it. Serenity is that what it's called? It's something like that. Serenity now. It might be. It might be. But um, some female gets involved. I forget who. But it's, it's basically planting the seeds for that. I think. Um, but yeah, the match, the match itself, Canyon versus Raven, it was a pretty damn good match. Yep. Uh, like like you said, Canyon's great. It's always fun watching him wrestle. Um, get like a moonsault from Canyon. He does like a top rope famouser kind of deal. Uh, there's some fun brawling on the outside. There's a fun little spot where they're like on the stage and Raven like hip tosses them down the ramp. Uh, but ultimately, Raven wins with the Raven effect, DDT, and... Um, Larry Zabisco and Raven have a pull apart after the match. So I guess this shit is still continuing. So it's fucking like I know Zabisco. Obviously, he wrestled a, a long time ago. My familiarity in my lifetime with Zabisco is ring announcer for WCW. Um, right. Weird that he's the GM in TNA. And also that Raven got screwed over and you're like this mad at Raven when you know, Raven's the one that got screwed. Like, I get why Raven's mad, but why is mm-hmm. Disco so pissed? Storyline's pretty stupid, but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, Larry Zabisco this is actually my first. The first time I ever heard of Larry Zabisco was the GM of TNA. So really? Um, yeah, fun, fun time. Because this is around the time I started watching when it went because they're on Spike now and they just got Spike. And that's kind of when I started watching. So I forget that you're like fucking 14, man. I'm a growing boy. I'm a growing boy. But uh, after that, we got Team Canada backstage with Shane Douglas. Man, just a lot of, you know, it feels like this whole show is WCW guys, ECW guys. We got Shane Douglas back. What do you think of Shane Douglas as a backstage interviewer, first of all? Um, Well, I've watched ECW with you where Shane Douglas is the the champion and the focal point of the show. And I've seen Shane Douglas, you know, as a mid-carder, not holding any titles. And I've seen Shane Douglas as an interviewer. And uh, there is not one single thing I've seen Shane Douglas do that I could say he's really, really good at. So, <laughs> yeah, talking about Ric Flair ripoffs. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, I've said this before, but the, the way he just tries to get himself over in all his interviews just irritates the shit out of me. <laughs> well, like, he's the franchise. Oh. and. See, that's the thing. Like, Shane Douglas and Jeff Jarrett are essentially the same person. It's just Jeff Jarrett had a father who was a promoter and fucked Dixie Carter, so he got his own company. Like, if Shane Douglas could have pulled that off, he'd be Jeff Jarrett. Like, it is what it is. Um, Did did Jerry Jarrett fuck Dixie Carter? Yes. 
that's that's the part of the narrative that I've been missing. But I get you know what? I believe you. I mean, I was going with Jeff, but Jerry's more entertaining. So yes, Jerry Jared, fuck the <laughs> Maybe it was both. Maybe they did the old rotisserie chicken. So you ever done that with your dad? I have not. I can't say that I have. But Ask um, him next year for Christmas. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Um, but anyways, speaking of rotisserie chickens, we got Eric Young out here. Uh, not out here, but he's backstage at Team Canada. He's uh, kind of the paranoid one of the bunch, so he's freaking out no, about not, uh, not Eric Young. Oh, I don't even know what he's freaking out about. They're, this is the kind of situation where they're trying to get each guy like their own personality. Because I know Eric, they, Team Canada, I don't think lasts too much longer, so they eventually split up and they each have their own kind of paths. Really? Because I like that's one of the things about TNA I do remember is Team Canada existing, and I remember everyone in Team Canada except for one person. And like I know this person existed, but for whatever reason, I don't think he does anything after. I just what the fuck is a one? <laughs> it's a steak sauce. Exactly. Like, is that his gimmick? Is he steak sauce? Like, a one fucking sucks at everything, dude. It's hilarious. Just watching him do stuff. Like, at, at at no point, even this promo. It's like a whatever promo. You have Scott Demore. He's like, he slaps Eric Young, and they're like, oh, we need to stand together and you know, take on Four Live Crew later or whatever. And Jeff Jarrett comes in again, like he said, making himself the focal point. And Team Canada, they're they're with Jeff Jarrett. They have his back, um, which we'll definitely see later. Um, I didn't know Jeff Jarrett was Canadian. I didn't either. But yeah, the promo finishes. They all walk off, and it's like A one like doesn't know what to do with his body. Like everybody walks off, but he's still in frame. You have to go watch it again because he's like so confused as to where he's supposed to go. And then in, in the ring, like he barely even wrestles anymore because he's so bad. Um, but he has big big muscles, so that's his value, I guess. But uh, after that, we have an eight-man tag match. We have uh, Team Canada. So it's uh, Bobby Roode, A1, Eric Young, and Petey Williams versus the four live crew, BG James, Kip James, Conan, and Ron Killings. Um, lots, of, lots of familiar faces, huh? Uh, yeah, except, except for A1. So we've got... The glorious one, Robert Root. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, also, you know, of TNA fame, but like anybody talks about that. Uh, you've got Eric Young, leader of Sanity. Again, TNA fame. Uh, Petey mm-hmm. Williams, the guy that created the Canadian Destroyer and ruined wrestling for the rest of us in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, some jackass that's teaming with them. Obviously, uh, you've got uh, the New Age Outlaws together with different names and i still will never understand why bg james doesn't go with his fucking name which is armstrong when he's part of the armstrong family if you can't be road dog anymore like why would you not lean into that but neither here nor there uh former nwa champion ron killings aka r-truth yes sir. and uh i believe the highlight of his career which you have not got to yet but uh just a heads up enjoy it former dungeon of doom member conan oh who is, who is he in the Dungeon of Doom? Conan. Oh, he's just Conan? Like, the Conan that you see now, when he becomes the Conan that you see now with, like, you know, the, the wife beater and the saggy pants and all that, it starts in the Dungeon of Doom. Wow. I, I had no idea. That's oh, you hilarious. Will. You will. So he doesn't have, like, a, he's not the uh, the Zodiac or Shark. 
just Conan. I guess, yep. you know, if you don't know who he is, that seems like a name that would fit in. So he was in the company wrestling. He was Mexican heavyweight champion. He was U.S. champion, but he was wearing more traditional garb. And then all of a sudden when he went into like essay Conan with, you know, the flannels and everything and looked a little more gangster. Then he joined the Dungeon of Doom of all things, because that is what screams thug to me. That's what screams badass fucking street is Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't want to want to run into Kevin Sullivan in a dark alley. So I would kill Kevin Sullivan. I would wreck his shit. He'd just knock him over and he wouldn't be able to get up because he's a fucking turtle. Um can't stand Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> We always find a way to shit on Kevin Sullivan, even if he's not on the card. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, we'll figure that out later. Of course. Yes. <laughs> but um, so the, the, the four live crew is a whole thing. I don't know how many of my TNA episodes you've listened to, but it's been a oh, running no. storyline. So you're you're aware of the whole like there there's tension because like Kip James debuted. So conan and ron killings they were like hey road dog where's your alliance it's been for like a year basically this has been going on conan's a jealous girlfriend yeah no i got this and the last pay-per-view it seemed like everything was all good in the hood conan billy gunn they they fizz bumped it's like okay now we're the four live crew uh they even changed their theme song because actually they didn't change it now it's just instrumental and uh, our truth raps to the ring, which is the first time I've seen him do this. Um, he raps to the, he basically remixes it to be the four live crew instead of the three live crew. Um, so it's like, oh, this is a thing. We're the four life crew now. Everybody's a happy family. Um, the match, the match is whatever. The match really isn't important in the grand scheme of things. Um, I mean, you have Conan and Road Dog doing their shtick in the beginning, which is fun. The match happens uh, at one point. Kip James and Conan are in the ring. They're clearing house. They're they're destroying all the Canadians, you know, all their bags of milk and their Canadian bacon. They're just they're just tossing it out. Ketchup chips. Ketchup chips. Ketchup chips. Um, <laughs> Ask Mr. Warren Hayes about it. Yeah, I will. That seems like a very violent discussion if we, that comes up. So um, I, I cannot stand for that. Warren Hayes, if you're listening, go fuck yourself if you enjoy that. Um uh, or anybody really but uh, at some point conan there's a chair in the ring conan has a chair he's running off team canada team canada and he just clocks kip james in the face with the chair so conan turns on billy gunn and uh which allows bobby Roode to make the win so team canada gets the win here but the story is that conan has turned his back on kip james and in, in an essence, well, not in an essence, he then lays out BG James with the chair. So uh, Conan is officially out and our truth is just standing there like, oh, what the hell, man? Um, Conan hugs truth and then leaves. So a lot of confusion uh, towards the end of the match. It seems to be a split here. But uh, yeah, the, a lot, lot of. Uh, a lot of betrayal and anguish. Well, this is this a man. classic love story. So, like, kids, pay attention. If you're in a relationship, let's say you're you're pretty Kyle, and you've got the softest part of the ring, and mm-hmm. your ex-girlfriend shows up, the softest part of the ring is not going to be happy with your ex-girlfriend showing up and hanging out. Right. Eventually, she may pretend she's okay with it, but she's really not, because she wants to make you happy. And she's going to snap, 
She's going to attack her, attack you, and then leave with your best friend. That's that's just how relationships work. Damn. That really... That's good to know, though. That's good yeah. to know. I'll make sure... If an ex-girlfriend shows up, yeah. Because that's essentially what happened. Yeah. I'll just make sure there's no steel chairs in the household, so she can't lay me out with it, but... Also sharp objects. You don't want to get shanked like knives. Sabu. God, I guess I got to get rid of these kendo sticks back here. Oh, um, I would love to see her beat you with the kendo stick. Is there a way we could do that on one of the shows where she just comes in from behind in a mask and just starts hitting you with the kendo stick? Hey, man, I'll do anything for views. Uh, I'll Dude, get laid out with a kendo that stick. That would go viral. You should talk to her. <laughs> get her a little luchador mask she can put on. She just comes in yeah. and starts wailing on you with a kendo stick mid like an ECW episode. Dude, she would not do this. She would be so ginger. Like, Cause I made her hit me with it once and she like, didn't like it. So, um, we're, we're into, don't kink shame me. First of all, I can see how you're looking at me. Listen, I don't kink shame. That's, I'm, I'm imagining you tied up in the room, like hands above the head with a shirt off and her just whipping your ribs with the kendo stick. You sing harder. Yeah, <laughs> man. If there's ever a wrestling podcast, only fans, that's, that's p- pure content right there. Um, if I ever, if I'm ever strapped for cash, that that's always an option. So thank you. Thank you for giving me the idea though. I appreciate uh, it. I'm an idea, man. You should know that. That's what they call you. Matt, the idea, man. Yep. Um, but yeah, Conan is, uh, he betrays the four life crew and I'm sure that'll continue for a couple more years. But after, <laughs> after that, we have the diamonds in the rough backstage with Shane Douglas uh, so the, this is, of course, a faction comprised of uh, Simon Diamond, Elix Skipper, and David Young. Who? Who? Uh, Elix Skipper. <laughs> no, I know Elix Skipper. I'm familiar with Elix Skipper. You know who he is. Yes. I know Simon Diamond because ECW. Like, I know Simon Dean. Like, familiar. Who the fuck is David Young? Like, this is him and A1 are the only people I'm like, who the fuck are you? So David Young, his his whole thing, he he was like the super jobber, like his whole character was like he hasn't won a match in two years kind of deal. And um, the diamonds in the rough is kind of a thing where Simon Diamond, he he plucked Elix Skipper and David David Young because he was like, oh, I see potential in you guys. You just need to be molded into uh, by with using my intelligence and my intellect. And I'm going to I'm going to lead you guys to victory. Because Elix hasn't really done shit since he walked the cage a year ago. This is, it was turning point uh, 2004 in which that happens. So he's basically trying to lead them to better careers, which doesn't really pan out. But um, this is where Roderick Strong got the idea for Diamond Mine. There it is. Uh, what, 17 years later? Yeah. I bet you he was, he was reviewing these tapes. He was like, you he know was what? holding on to it all this time. He's like, I'm going to lead a faction. I'm going to do it right. Yes, Tyler Russ is going to be my David Young, is what he said. He was. He was. <laughs> but uh, Elix Skipper and David Young, they just have the most hilariously unintimidating voices. I don't know if you caught that or not. They, they had oh, like yeah. a line each. It's like, Elix Skipper talks like this. And then David Young talks basically the same way. Which kind of leads you. It's like, okay, maybe that's why they didn't pan out. But... <laughs> <coughs> And then Simon Diamond isn't much better because he don't put the fucking sunglasses down. <laughs> I knew you were about to do some shit. And I was like, okay. There we go. We're good. We're good. 
So Simon Diamond's there. We're still in this promo, by the way, because there's a lot going on here. Uh, Simon Diamond says that their opponents are going to get two fastballs right between the eyes. And Simon grabs one of each of their wrists and holds it up because these are the fastballs of Elix Skipper and David Young. Um, he might be asking why. Why are they going to get fastballs? That seems like a random reference. Well, it's because they're going to be participating in a base brawl match later. Yep. So, yep. and you're a White Sox fan. So. Yeah, I knew, I knew AJ. Um, are you familiar with the work of Dale Torborg? Um, I wasn't, but commentary laid it out pretty well. But go ahead and explain it to me. So in WCW... Uh, at one point, they thought, you know what's going to really bring in viewers is Kiss. Uh, right. So they struck a deal with Kiss where Kiss basically, in real life, went into the creation suite and made themselves a wrestler. And they called him the Demon, and it was Dale Torborg. And he came out, he, I believe he right. was either with or feuded with Vampiro. I'm pretty sure he feuded with Sting. It, was, it wasn't very long-lived because it was right near the end of WCW and the death of WCW. No, go figure. Like, when you're, when you're going mm -hmm. to kiss, like, it worked for Scooby-Doo. It did not work for WCW. Neither here nor there. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so he goes from that, and then this... It was okay. Like, he wasn't great, but this cheesy fucking kiss gimmick, I find out is going to go be the strength and conditioning coach for the White Sox. Not really excited about it, not high hopes. And then they fucking win the World Series. It was like, well, much better at strength and conditioning than he was at wrestling. So he's not a player. He's a, he's just a coach. Correct. Work. Strength okay. and conditioning coach, yes. I was about to say, because I had never heard of his name. Because this is like when I was kind of fading out of I used to be a big baseball fan, but this is kind of when I was fading out of it. So I was like, oh, maybe I just missed Torborg. <laughs> like I, the, the name didn't seem familiar to me. A.J. Pruszynski obviously did. Um and you have Johnny Damon in the crowd. So a lot going on here. But uh, like you said, the White Sox, they just won the World Series a few months ago. Um, so on Impact, this is the backstory of the match. Um, there was TNA management and a couple of the X Division guys. They, they invited the White Sox, or at least AJ and Dale Torborg. They invited them in. They're like, we're going to present you with a, a gift from TNA to, 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 to celebrate your World Series victory, and then Diamonds in the Rough interrupt, and Simon Diamond, he's going off. He's like, why are, why are we dedicating time on a wrestling show uh, to award a team, to award a guy with a with a 2.56 batting average, which is like, okay, as a, as a, baseball, a casual baseball fan nowadays, that, that's a pretty good average, especially for a, a power hitter. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark McGuire, I even Googled it. I was like, what's, what was Mark McGuire's lifetime average? And it was about a two five. So it's not like a, a bad thing, but you know, we're not going to get into the baseball uh, statistics of it. without the steroids. So, ah, uh, you know, did he though? Yeah. You know what? Actually looking at him in this match. Yeah. I was going to say, look at the guy, but, <laughs> but, um, so he's going on about that. He's like, oh, you're two, five, six batting average all over and over again. Um, so that's basically the, the premise of this match is the disrespect that the diamonds in the rough showed the, uh, the world series champions and another layer of it is Bobby Heenan, who was out here on commentary. Cause he's a Chicago guy, Chicago guy, I guess. 
Um, so he's out here doing color commentary and this is after he's been diagnosed with throat cancer and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So he's not, you know, you could definitely tell, oh, but even so he, he's definitely with it. He's with it, but he sounds worse than I do on your podcast right now. So <laughs> no, he's definitely, yeah. But, um, you can, you can, you can hear the wit amongst his, cause I don't I guess he had that surgery on his throat. Um, but it was cool to see him regardless. Uh, the match happens. And uh, my my takeaway here is Elix Skipper, because uh, sometimes I wonder, it's like, man, Elix Skipper, he had that great moment walking the cage at Turning Point 2004. He's not a bad promo. He has a really silly voice, but he's actually a pretty good promo. He's athletic. I'm like, man, why didn't he pan out? And this match is a pretty good highlight of it because he almost broke. He almost broke his own neck and then he almost broke Sanjay Tut's neck. Like minutes apart from each other. How did Sanjay Dutt and Chris Saban get involved in this feud? Uh, because they weren't involved in the X Division title picture, but they were still like at the top of the division. They just weren't in title contention. So, yeah. Um, because Saban and Dutt, th- those are two guys that were always like in the mix. I mean, Saban would go on to be Motor City Machine Guns, and Sanjay Dutt was always a guy that was like, I don't even know if he ever won the title. I think he might have like very later on, but he was always a guy that was like right on the cusp of it. But, um, but yeah, Elix Skipper, there's a part where Saban has like a hammer lock on Elix Skipper. I don't know what the fuck Skipper was trying to do here. I think he was trying to backflip out of it, but there was some sort of miscommunication and <laughs> Skipper just back. He just jumps up front flips and lands right on his neck. Um, and then, at another point, Sanjay Dutt's going to do a tilt whirl on Elix Skipper, but Elix like throws him off, and Dutt goes like face first into the ropes. It's like it's really brutal. Um, so it's kind of a clunky match in a lot of ways. But towards the end, man, so like I said, Johnny Damon's in the crowd for whatever reason. Um, I guess the Red Sox and the White Sox aren't rivals, or are no. they just like bonded by the Sox? Possibly. I guess this is the story here. I think that this is right before Damon goes to the Yankees, actually. But um, Simon Diamond, he gives Torborg a low blow and then grabs a shin protector, which I don't know why that's out there. But he grabs a shin protector and clocks Torborg in the face with it. He goes for the pin. But A.J. Pierzynski, who, by the way, he's not in the match. He's just kind of accompanying uh, Saban and Sanjay Dutt. Yes. Uh, he pulls the ref out because he's like, hey, he uses a weapon. You can't do that. And um, amongst all of this, Johnny Damon, he hands AJ a home plate and AJ gets in the ring and smashes it over the head of Simon Diamond. And this allows Chris Sabin to hit the cradle shock. And then Sanjay Dutt hits the Hindu press for the win. So Chris Sabin, Dale Torborg and Sanjay Dutt get the win. And uh, after the match, Chris Saban, he uh, he finally, I guess this is what they are ultimately trying to do on Impact. Saban awards AJ and Dale TNA championship rings because I guess that's a thing. Um, I don't know if this is similar to the Dynamite Diamond ring or the uh, whatever the fuck the ring Diamond Dallas Page had. Um, I don't know if it's as prestigious or not, but that's the thing. So, uh, yeah, everyone goes home happy, I suppose. I wonder if this is where WWE got the idea to start giving belts to championship teams. Yeah, maybe. I'm trying to think if they did that before this. I don't know if they did. 
I don't remember them doing it. Like, I remember Schwarzenegger got one at one point for some fucking reason, but, like, yeah. I don't remember them having teams come on back at this time or even earlier than this. Or, obviously, social media wasn't a thing, so I don't know, but I don't remember them giving belts out to teams until somewhat fairly recently, within, like, probably the last 10 years. Yeah. It's smart, though. Wasn't then the Super Bowl, like, one of the guys had a big-ass a big WWE belt? That's good marketing. Smart, better than these stupid ass rings that they had for TNA. But TNA is one of the things that tickled me about TNA in this time period is that they they're all for publicity, no matter what it is. Um, they had a NASCAR guy have a match a couple months ago. Uh, what's his what's his dick? What's um, God, Hermes, not Hermes Sadler. I think they did have Hermes Sadler actually very back in the day, but they had another Ooh. NASCAR guy have a match. Uh, you know, the guy that drives the car and turns left. There's a lot of those guys. Last <laughs> name Petty comes to mind. Jeff Gordon. Never heard of a fucking Hermes Sadler. No, they had. Um, hold on, I, I have to look it up because they had another guy, TNA, uh, NASCAR. Because it's finished. He had a finishing move. It was called the pit stop, oh. which was like an elbow drop. He like drove his car. He like did a. He drove oh a car God. and then he hit the elbow. Uh, not Jeff. Jeff Hammond. Jeff Hammond was the guy. He be, he beat Frankie Kazarian in a match and sent Frankie to the WWE. So that was the thing that happened. I will never understand the connection between wrestling and NASCAR and wrestling and monster trucks. Like, <laughs> um, I'm almost at that monster truck match. Pretty excited for that. <laughs> but no TNA anything because NASCAR was pretty popular at this point. So it's like, oh, you're popular. Be on our show. Uh, they had Tito Ortiz appear a few times. They're all for publicity, which is smart, I suppose. But the execution of it could have been done better. Let's talk about Marcus Corvon. They call me smooth. You know that theme song? Yeah. I make it move. Yeah. So we have the uh, it's a number one contendership match. So the winner is the number one contender for the NWA world title. Um, and I have to bring up because this actually happened earlier, uh, a promo that Christian cut backstage with Shane Douglas. I am not the biggest fan of Christian in this time because this promo he had reminded me of all of his terrible, terrible catchphrases and nicknames that he had during this time period in his career. Uh, what did he said? He, he was calling his fans the Christian coalition. Yep. Um, also called them the peep zone. <laughs> like I'm all my peeps. That's that was fun. The peep zone is, is one step too far. Um, and then he always ends his promos with because that's how I roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a catchphrase. It sucks. And you suck if you like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this start was a little aggressive. It was very aggressive. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I mean, you're not of- wrong, but. It was very aggressive. sexually oppressed, but we have Christian Cage out here fighting uh, Monty Brown, Marcus Corvon, Marcus Corvon. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Christian Cage newly debuted. Uh, have you seen very much of Christian from this time period? No, uh, again, I am aware of Christian in this time period. I know he does win the NWA title. This is essentially peak Christian, I guess, yeah. uh, in his career. I know kind of like the Christian Coalition becomes a thing. Tyson Tomko joins TNA and right. becomes a part of that and all the stuff that kind of happens. But actually seeing it like for myself, I never went back and watched TNA matches 
stuff like that. So like I missed the whole yeah. rise of Jeff Hardy, rise of Christian, you know, rebirth of Sting, all that shit. Yeah, Christian's his heel run in TNA was great because, like you said, he had Tomko. He also had AJ Styles in his faction. Um, this is after like Jarrett. He loses the title at Bound for Glory 2006. And then after that, Christian's like the main heel for a while. And that, that's some really good stuff from Christian. Um, hey, you're back. Did I, did I leave? It said that your camera was disabled due to a poor Internet connection. You know, what? that's probably for the best. I'm going to be honest. You're so pretty, though. I think you'd make a great drag queen. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? I just think you'd make a pretty woman. What would my name be? Because it's always got to be like kind of similar to the man name. Well, if you're Kyle Bird, we'll call you Carol Phoenix. <laughs> Not like Kylie or anything. No, it's got to be Carol. Yeah. You know what actually makes sense? Because drag queens always have to have like old lady names. Exactly. Yeah. That'd be like these big brassy women with like big hair. Yeah. Carol. Carol. Or Carol Peacock. Because you're 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 very much a peacock. How's that? You're just very vibrant and bright and you're very out there. Uh, I'm, I organize things very poorly. I have I'm a I'm a shitty streaming service. Um, well, based on your internet connection, yes, you are a very shitty streaming service. All right, eat my ass. So we got the <laughs> <laughs> we got Christian versus Monty Brown. Hold on, let me get my glasses. No. You're lucky I can't do the voice with my throat all fucked up because I so <laughs> I so what up. Uh, but Monty Brown, man. So you, I'm assuming this is kind of the first you've seen of Monty Brown. No, I told you, Marcus Corvan. WWE CW baby. That was a very different. That was a very different iteration. It's not really, but I, I, I think his promos peaked in TNA. Um, but yeah, this is one of the oh, things from this time I was actually very familiar with. Like I'd actually see clips of Monty Brown with the six sided ring doing the pounce, doing the alpha male thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that whole deal. I won't make you do that because you'll probably explode. But probably uh, the match is what it is. Uh, the match, it didn't really like grip me particularly, but we get like a fun frog splash from Christian uh, Monty. He hits the alpha bomb at some point, which is really impress- impressive, impressive. Uh, and at some point in the match, Christian's he's he, Christian. He's like in the corner holding on to the corner. Monty Brown, he rips him off. And then Christian like pulls the turnbuckle pad with it, exposing the turnbuckle, exposing the steel towards the end of the match. Monty has like a full Nelson on Christian goes to shove him face first into the steel, but Christian reverses and sends Monty into the steel turnbuckle and hits the unprettier further win. So Christian wins and is the number one contender for the NWA title. So a pretty decent match, I suppose. You said he just debuted. So like skyrocket. Yeah. No, this is, I think, his second overall match in TNA. So, yeah, right to the moon. I believe he wins the title at the next pay-per-view. So it's like, yeah, a skyrocket. Um, So we got tables match next, Uh, a non-title tables match for whatever reason, because I guess it's it's more of a uh, a grudge match. But it's like, why couldn't a title also be on the line? Um, So we got AMW, the team of Chris Harris and James Storm versus Team 3D. Of course, Brother Devon and Brother Ray. 
Um, so this this feud's been going on for a while. Team 3D, they debuted a few months ago and immediately were in a feud with AMW. AMW and it's like a whole thing with Team Canada and Jeff Jarrett. They're all kind of like a faction, basically, or aligned in some way. They left Team 3D lane. They put them on the shelf for a few weeks. So there's a lot yeah, of personal animosity. AMW showed up with Jeff Jarrett at the beginning of the night. And uh, was it James Storm? I think it was James Storm. Yeah, James Storm just throws a beer bottle on the ground yep. outside, just littering like a motherfucker. What a heel. Uh, Chris Harris, I'm more familiar with with the eye patch. You know about the eye patch? Oh, yeah, because he, him, and Storm have a feud. I think he gets like a beer bottle to the face. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were about to say Braden Walker. This is why you knew Chris Harris. Who? You, you said you were familiar with WWE, CW. Yeah, Braden Walker. Knock knock. No idea what you're talking about. That that does not ring a bell. Well, what was this joke? All right, knock knock. Who's there? Braden Walker. And I'm about to knock your brains out. It's a good promo, right? That really gets a person over. That really gets the fans behind you to uh, want you to win the wrestling match. So. Wow. <clears throat> so we got uh, <laughs> the pre Braden Walker here in Chris Harris. Uh, this match, it's a lot of brawling on the outside. A lot of a lot of punching and kicking. Uh, there's two things I did like about this match, though. Um, like I said, it's a tables match. Uh, I liked that. I like the logic of like defense in a tag team tables match. So like somebody will, I think uh, Bubba, Bubba, he goes for a superplex on Chris Harris to drive him through a table. But James Storm takes a table and throws it out of the way. Um, there's another point where James Storm, he goes to Rana, Hurricane Rana, Bubba off the top rope through a table. But Devon gets in there and moves the table back. But um, ultimately... Uh, what happens here? So James Storm, he gets driven through a table with the death sentence, which is AMW's finishing move. But Team 3D uses it against them and uh, drives James Storm through a table. But I guess it's an elimination tables match, which wasn't really no. I didn't catch <laughs> because it was funny because James Storm gets driven through the table and then the crowd goes like silent because they're so confused. Like, why isn't the match over? Um but I guess you have to put both your opponents through tables. But that happens very shortly after as uh, everyone's fighting on the stage up the ramp. And there's a table set up at the top of the ramp. And Chris Harris gets sent through it with a 3D. So Team 3D wins with a clean sweep. And um, they really sell the tables as like a devastating thing. Like there's a whole thing after the match where like the EMTs are out there helping both these guys out after getting driven through the tables. So I like how the tables are getting sold as like this really brutal kind of thing to get put through. So um, a fun little brawl. Um, I liked it for what it was. Yeah. I'm pretty sure James Storm died from that death sentence. I think so. Um, well, that's I mean, it's it, in the move. Death. It's the Dudleys in a table match. It, it, it's exactly what you expect to see. It's what you're going to get. It's fun. Yeah. But uh, speaking of fun, we got my match of the night here. The X Division titles on the line. We got AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Holy shit, this match. Oh, yeah. So AJ Styles is the champion here. Samoa Joe um, is about six months into his run here in TNA, and he's still undefeated. 
And um, the whole story here is that Samoa Joe kind of goes against what the X Division stands for. It's kind of similar to the, to the Code of Honor in Ring of Honor, where it's like you shake hands before and after the match, you respect the rules, there's no like post-match shenanigans or weapons and shit like that. That sounds boring as fuck. That apparently that's what Samoa Joe thought because he's just been kicking the shit out of everybody. He even, he, um, the last show... He um, he was actually teaming with Christopher Daniels, but after they won, Samoa Joe was pissed because Christopher Daniels got the pinfall. So Samoa Joe just kicked the shit out of Christopher Daniels, gave him a concussion, gave him multiple mu- muscle busters on chairs, and had him stretchered out to the point where we haven't seen Christopher Daniels in a month. Um, he's concussed and all of that. And AJ Styles, who had been feuding with Christopher Daniels for a while, he's like, hey. I, I don't like Christopher Daniels, but he at least he respects the X division and what we're trying to do here. And Samoa Joe ain't about that life. So AJ is very pissed at this. And that's kind of what sets up this match. Um, so a good build up to this match and the match itself. I mean, holy shit. I mean, you have AJ Styles, Samoa Joe in 2005. You know, it's going to be a banger. Um, Let's not forget the bloody towel. Yes, of course. The bloody towel, which is Christopher Daniels blood from the uh, attack that I described from uh, Genesis and Samoa Joe has the bloody towel around his neck, just rubbing it in the face of AJ. And um, yeah, I mean, what were your thoughts on this match? I agree with you. This, this probably was match of the night. Like there were three matches I really enjoyed. It was this, the main event and then the opening match all for different reasons. As far as wrestling goes, like pure wrestling, no gimmicks. This definitely probably was match of the night. Um, Joe's bloody towel fetish is interesting. You know, I I guess it's a trophy to wear around your neck. Like you make someone bleed, you wipe their blood up with it, and you just wear it around. I'm sure it stinks. Uh, you might want to get that washed. Probably. But I mean, it's Joe versus AJ Styles. Like two of the best wrestlers probably at that time and of all time in there beating the living shit out of each other. It was fucking fun. I enjoyed the shit out of it. It was really cool to watch. It was like... One thing about this match, it was it was almost kind of clunky at certain points, but it made up for it with just like the stiffness of it. Like mm-hmm. there was a I've never seen a stiff drop kick before, but the one that AJ Styles hit on, you could see Joe's head just fucking whiplash. Um, you know, obviously you got Joe <laughs> more than returns the favor with just various kicks to the chest, kicks to the head, all that Muay Thai influence coming out here. Um they're fighting on the outside and you have Joe does that like power bomb swing into the steel guardrail, which that's like, he was putting all of his strength into that. That looked devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, even like a knee drop, like Joe just does like a knee drop and it looks like it just crushed AJ's whole entire body. Um, so they were, they were going after it for sure. And the whole, basically the story here is that the match starts and AJ starts out hot. Like he's oh, kind of, yeah catches Joe by surprise. He didn't expect him to start off right away. But after that flurry, Joe kind of gets the upper hand and he dominates for a bit. Uh, but towards the end, it's a little more back and forth. AJ, AJ hits a power bomb on Samoa Joe, which is crazy. Um, gives him a stylus clash, which gets a two count. Um, but ultimately, AJ, he goes for a, a roll-up pin. But Joe counters into the coquina clutch. And AJ, eventually, I love the drama of it. He's like rolling. He's almost at the ropes. 
but he passes out eventually. So AJ is unconscious. Mojo wins and is the new X division champion. Um, but he fucked Wendy after that. <laughs> I love their chicken sandwich. But Joe picks up AJ after the match. And uh, he's like, hey, I'm, maybe he's going to show him some respect. Uh, so he picks up AJ. He's like, hey, good job, buddy. Joe holds up the title. He's like, yeah, we did it. And then he takes the title and just rams it into the face of AJ. Continues to beat on Styles after the match. Security gets in there. But Joe, I mean, security comes at him like a fucking karate movie. So Joe's able to just beat him up one by one. And uh, he keeps, he th- throws chairs in the ring. Samoa Joe does. He's going to seemingly do the same thing that he did to Daniels at the last pay-per-view. He sets up AJ on the top rope for a muscle buster. But out comes Christopher Daniels returning from his concussion. But apparently he's still concussed because as Daniels gets in there, him and Joe are going at it back and forth. Joe hits Daniels with a headbutt and that just and I love that element of it because he hits him with like one headbutt and Daniels is still reeling from the injury just crumbles to the mat and uh, but this allows Joe to escape and um, that's where it's kind of left at that and I think they have like another triple threat match somewhere down the line with Styles involved so uh, yeah I love every bit of this I agree and like you said the selling of the headbutt with him having the concussion Something you don't see a lot nowadays. It was really good. Um, it was just a damn, like, it was a damn stiff, fun match to watch. Like, Yeah. And because um, the headbutt element of it, I actually didn't really, like, think about. But commentary actually did a good job at, like, selling that. Like, I, I forget if it was Tanae or West. But they were like, oh, he's still concussed. So that all it took is one headbutt to drop him, which is... Uh, I got shout out commentary, by the way, specifically in this match, but throughout the entire night, mm-hmm. um, they like like Samoa Joe, he would kick AJ and you have Mike Tanay just like coming out of his seat. You have Don West with his classic energy that he has. I thought commentary was amazing in this match and throughout the entire night. What, what did you think of commentary? Uh, Mike Tanay's fantastic. Mike Tanay's always been fantastic. He was fantastic. In WCW He's fantastic tonight. I'm not a huge Don West fan, but I did appreciate him tonight. Um, mm-hmm. Don West kind of hit or miss for me, so. That's fair. He's very, um, he comes off like a guy that's like, wasn't a wrestling fan, but became one as he's a commentator. But he just has like the energy that is a good, uh, it accompanies Mike Tanay's, uh knowledge of the sport very well, yeah. I thought. so. But uh, yeah, anyone, if you're going to watch one, match from this show it'd either be this or the barbed wire match depending on what kind of wrestling fan you are i guess um but great shit all around and that this that's what tna tna was really great gaining steam in this time period and it was stuff like this that was the reason so um but that brings us to the main events the nwa world titles on the line jeff jarrett's the champion defending against rhino the man beast um, so they had a little video package before this match. Uh, Rhino is going on about how, uh, I guess at some point, maybe, you know, more about the story, I guess some point in the past year, he like destroyed a bar or something and he like, or a hotel, he went on a rampage and his wife divorced him and took the kids. Do you know anything about that? Absolutely not. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe just making it up. Who knows? Um, but basically, what I got from this, if Rhino wins, he gets his family back. Is, is that kind of the deal here? Uh, no, see, 
what I got from it was basically Jeff saying that he lived in a trailer park. His wife left him and it sounds like took their kid to Germany of all places. Like, I guess if you really yeah. want to get away from Rhino, Germany is the best place to go. Like as far away as possible. Rhinos can't swim. So, yeah, but I don't know if he was, if he was just fighting for the honor to try and win his family back or if it was a contractual yeah. obligation. All I know is, Every time I see Rhino, this man is a main eventer in every company but WWE. And I don't understand why that didn't transfer yeah. over in WWE. I mean, ECW, ECW heavyweight champion. Here, he becomes eventually NWA champion. This is one of the things I had to look up. Because I was actually rooting for Rhino in this match. Like, I was behind him. I wanted to see him win. Mm -hmm. So, I was like, after the match, I'm like, does he ever actually win the NWA title? And he does. So, like, I was happy about that, you know, because... You you felt for Rhino after that promo package and during the match to where like you really wanted to see this guy get the win, mm -hmm. um, and I hate like because like I said, WWE he was like second fiddle to Booker T and the whole invasion angle. He was not in the main event. He was right. not, but everywhere else he's always booked as a main eventer. So I it blows my mind that that didn't translate. Yeah, he had like a second. And WWE this is like, like you said, it was during the invasion time. Um, there was a period where he was having made event matches with the rock on like TV and stuff like that. But then he broke his neck and then he was out for like a year or so. And then he came back and it was never really the same. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, Rhino. I think maybe it's just his height. <laughs> That's the only thing that WWE, I mean, he's not the tallest guy. So, but he's intimidating as hell looking. So I was like, who knows? But, um, and uh, he's still in, still an impact, by the way, which is hilarious. Yeah, because um, I was watching it on Impact Plus and they had like a few commercials throughout it. And it was funny because they're, they're, it's like a commercial of current day impact and you have Rhino still there. And it's funny how time treats itself sometimes. But um, so Jarrett's out there, of course, there's some fun chants from the crowd. There's a there's a fire Jarrett chant and there's a Jeff's a jobber chant which was mm -hmm. hilarious because you can even see that broke jeff a little bit when he heard that um but it's, it's a classic jeff jarrett main event world title match there's a lot of fighting in the crowd um rhino channeling his his ecw past by he's getting chairs from the fans he's clocking jarrett with it uh, at some point they like fight towards it's like in the crowd but towards the stage there's like a scaffold set up which is like, I don't know, 10 feet in the air or something. Very 2005 wrestling. It very much, very much so. Um, they climb the scaffold. There's a table set up below it. Um, Jarrett has a chair. He hits Rhino in the back with it, knocks him off the scaffold, and Rhino goes toppling off it through a table. Um, Jarrett's busted open, as he always is. Uh they fight on the stage where the like tunnel is. And me and Katie talked about this uh, in our last episode. There was a point where there was a table set up in the tunnel, like in front of the tunnel. Rhino, but nobody got gored through it. It was a perfect opportunity to do it, but nobody, nobody did it. Uh, in this case, they sit up the table there again. Jarrett's in front of it. Rhino sets up for a gore and gores Jarrett into the table. Mm -hmm. Not quite through it. The table kind of just like topples like beneath itself, but it doesn't really crack. But I guess it halfway does the job, I guess. Um, 
there's uh, a <laughs> and Jeremy Borash, the ring announcer, announces that the referee is now going to start his 10 count after they've spent like 10 minutes fighting in the crowd. Yeah. And uh, if they can't if they can't make it to the ring in a, in a 10 count, then the match is over. So Team Canada at this point gets involved. They attack uh, Rhino because, remember, he just gored Jarrett through the tunnel. Uh, Team Canada comes in. I think it's PD and A1, Bobby Roode. I don't know if A1's there. I don't remember who it was, but just a bunch of random Canadians come out. They basically beat up on Rhino and throw him into the tunnel so that he can't get to the ring, supposedly. And then they carry Jarrett. They wrap Jarrett's arms around their shoulders and they carry him to the ring. Ref's counting. Gets to eight to nine. And then Rhino is back up and sprints all the way from the tunnel to the ring in one second, which yep. is amazing. I mean, an NFL team needs to sign this guy. I mean, hundred percent. He'd make a great running back. <laughs> yeah. The 40 yard dash on this fella. It's insane. But, um, so they're back in the ring finally. And, uh, team Canada still very much involved. It's very, it's very unclear as it is at all times in these Jeff Jarrett matches. If it's no disqualification or if it's not, uh, it seems like they pick and choose when to apply it. But Team Canada, I guess there's always a guy in or, or, uh, distracting the ref. And then like Bobby Roode will come in and hit the northern lariat onto Rhino. Um, but Rhino eventually fights back. He goes for a superplex on the Jeff Jarrett. But Jarrett finds a guitar, as he always does, and uh, hits Rhino over the head with it. Which uh, And then Jarrett goes for the pin, but only gets a two count. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, this match is pretty cool but it could use some more Jackie Gata. Yep. Well, fear no more. Out comes Jackie Gata, who I guess her... So Jackie and Gail Kim, I guess, have beef. And Gail Kim, I should mention, is a part of this faction with Jared and Team Canada and all that. Yeah, they kept bringing her up and asking where she was, but she never showed up. I don't know. Maybe she had something going on that day. But uh, Jackie Gata comes out, slaps Jeff Jarrett, and then Jarrett turns around and gets gored, gored, gored by Rhino. Gore. There it is. Uh, but only gets a two count, amazingly. Uh, so what does Rhino do? He grabs some chairs. He sets them up in the corner. And it goes to pile drive Jeff Jarrett off the second rope through these chairs. But Scott Damore, the, the leader of Team Canada, comes out with a hockey stick Hits Rhino in the back with it, and this allows Jeff Jarrett to hit the stroke onto Rhino through the chairs, and that gives Jeff Jarrett the win with the stroke. So, uh, can you do that one more time? Yeah. So, I want to know what about Team Canada was so amazing that they were like, Scott Demore, you did such a great job with these guys that we're going to let you run the entire company. Yeah. I mean, they, they lasted for a long time. So that longevity alone, more than most factions in TNA. I don't know exactly how long, but I know they were a thing when I started watching from, uh, I guess, a year, year ago. So, um, yeah, so going strong. I mean, they're in the main event. So very successful faction, I suppose. I enjoyed the SmackDown spot, you know, the the gore through the tunnel, which is very much like the Chris Jericho gore into the SmackDown set before we got the fist. Like I said, I mean, the match was a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like entertaining though. Yeah, like, it was an entertaining mess. It's Attitude Era esque. Yeah, like the style of match. Two thousands wrestling would have you believe that scaffolds were just fucking everywhere. Like you just walk down <laughs> yeah. the street and there'd just be scaffolds everywhere. Yeah, there's always always something getting built. Mm-hmm. So. I was, I was a bit unclear what the scaffold was for. I guess, was it holding the camera up or? Uh, dude, I have no idea. You just, <laughs> they just <laughs> pick them wherever you need them. I guess. Yeah. I guess you need a scaffold. Um, but yeah, it's an entertaining match. I'm, I'm, I'm quickly learning. Like, we shit on Jeff Jarrett a lot. Everybody does. And he, as rightfully so. But yeah. like, a lot of this, his matches are very entertaining. Like, sometimes not in the way they intend to. But it's always like, oh, it's a main event match. There's interference. There's dirty finishes. Like sometimes that's okay. And amongst like you have a lot of good wrestling in the rest of the show. And then you have this like main event style match. Mm-hmm. I thought it was entertaining. It was fighting in the crowd, like blood weapons come like everything you want from wrestling. So um, I enjoy Canadian it. cum, which tastes like maple syrup. I've been told. Canadian cum tastes like maple syrup. Again, I'll, I'll ask Warren about that. See, yeah, there you I'm go. Say. You're just, okay, we're, we're going to move on. But uh, <laughs> the lights go out and a scorpion appears on the screen. No. Which uh, leads me to believe that the black scorpion is about to debut in TNA. 100%. So I can't can't wait to see Ric Flair come and uh, win the NWA title again. So I thought fun, it was NWO sure. Sting. For sure. Oh, yeah. Could be. Could be. Uh, which makes sense considering the, the lights. So the lights go out. Scorpion on the screen. And then the lights come back on. And there's a chair in the middle of the ring set up with a black trench coat, black boots, and a baseball bat set up. Which can only mean one thing. AJ Pierzynski. What? I was thinking Sting's naked somewhere in the fucking building. <laughs> Just yeah. naked Steve Borden running around backstage. No boots, no trench coat, no baseball bat. Just face paint and a boner. So of all the times that Sting has had sex in his life, do you think the majority of it, he's wearing face paint? I mean, I'd say 90% of the time he's wearing face paint. The other 10% of the time he's painting faces. So... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the old the old sting position. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. Well, that's actually a good segue for the question I'm about to ask you. Uh, oh, really? TNA Turning Point 2005, Spit or Swallow? I'm going to swallow. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I really did. Like, like I said, I watched a shit ton of wrestling like from different eras, current, yeah. 96, 2005. This was a fucking fun show. Like, it really was. Yeah. Yeah, TNA, they they gave you they they were very good at giving you a buffet. So if you like want you want the pure wrestling, you got um AJ versus Joe or the other X Division matches. If you want just Carnage, you got the barbed wire match, you, you have your main event, attitude era style type of match here. You got tag teams, you got celebrities, you got all the shit. So I I very much enjoyed it. Like I said, this, this is probably one of my favorite eras of TNA. Um this is before they got this is before they became a parody of themselves. So. I don't know. I, I'm really like, I can't wait for you to get into like main event mafia and Kevin Nash. Cause like I oh. enjoy the shit out of Kevin Nash. So like, I want to see that. Yeah. When, when we get the square ring TNA, that's when I begin to check out. But, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give it a swallow too. 
TNA turning point was a good time. But uh, what I always swallow every week is the Smacking It Raw podcast. Uh, Matt, where can everybody find you, listen to you, and give you tickles on the nutsack? All right. You guys can follow me at Matt Riddler's at M-A-T-T-R-I-D-D-E-R on Twitter only. Also, Twitter and Instagram, Smacking It Raw pod. I run the Twitter. Vince runs the Instagram. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash Smackin' Raw. There's a link tree at Matt Ritter that'll get you the audio and video versions, which are on YouTube and Pornhub, because we are the number one wrestling podcast on Pornhub. Uh, Creation Absolutely. World is the banner under which the Smackin' Raw podcast exists, so check out creationworld.com, uh, Twitter and Instagram, the Creation World, T-H-E-C-R-E-A-T-I-A World, and facebook.com slash World. God damn, you're so good at that. Whenever, whenever anybody asks me to plug my podcast, I'm like, oh, I do a wrestling. Sometimes I'm gay. I do Listen it every me. week, like every <laughs> week. And it's the same thing. I've got the fucking shit memorized. And here's the thing. Like we did an episode last night, which will be dropping with uh, Kings of the Rings, uh, which was actually Ooh. really fun and entertaining. So definitely check that out. It should be up later today or tomorrow whenever Travis gets around to it. Um, nice. But. I tell Vince every week, I'm like, I do the plug. And every week he still goes, well, you know, you can check us out on Instagram. At, I'm like, stop doing that. Just plug your shit because I already do that in my part. And then it's redundant. Mm-hmm. But I can't take it out because if I take it out, it fucks up my flow. Like I have this line yeah. memorized. It's the same thing as the intro. Like the intro is memorized. It's a certain flow. If I try and change it, I fuck it up. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just undoes a wire and then it just ruins the whole thing. I get it. I get it. Well, uh, yeah. Any other final thoughts? Any any other words for the audience before before we leave here? Words for the audience before we leave here. Um, if I somehow through audio give you whatever illness I have that I clearly gave to Kyle during this podcast, um, <coughs> also maybe sexually transmitted. Neither here nor there. Um, I no. apologize, and I hope that you feel better than I do. I do apologize for all the coughing that I did uh, both last night and tonight, and we'll probably do tomorrow. So forgive me for that, but I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And if I can leave you with one thing, uh, please, please, please think of Sting, butt naked with face paint, giving money shots to random people. Once again, thank you to Matt Ritter from the Smackin' It Raw podcast for joining me on this lovely, lovely episode covering... TNA Turning Point 2005. Always the fun time. Always, always, always a fun time with Matt. Uh, check him out. Like I said, the Smackin' It Raw podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts on Pornhub and YouTube. And uh, check out the Apron Bump podcast, wherever you listen as well. Uh, check out apronbump.com for all my episodes, all my merch as well. There is a store tab up now to where you can buy uh, apron bump t-shirts and tank tops and banana hammocks and whatever really fits you and makes you feel all good inside underneath your uh, undercarriage. So um, what? So (laughs) that's about all daddy has for you today. Um, Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. I really do cherish you all. If I could kiss you all, I would, but you'll just have to settle for this. I'm sleepy. I'm hard. Talk around and disregard it. Ship
walk the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud, don't be like this. Let's get it started. It's the hardest. Talk around, don't disregard it. Sweep you walk the ground, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud.